1: Look
0: at his movements, the most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything
1: like this ever again! The world is left to wonder, wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused, how on earth did that happen?
2: Yogo Benito, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I'm your host, Michael Lebuff, and joining me today are my colleagues, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And gentlemen, it is a great time of year on the sporting calendar. Conference championships are starting in college football. The Ashes, cricket's most prestigious and dramatic series featuring Australia and England starts in a week. And most importantly, we have some midweek fixtures, finally, in the Premier League to talk about. And we'll get to all ten of those. Plus, we'll touch on La Liga, Serie A, League One, and give out our favorite underdogs and best bets by the end of the show. But we will start things off at Old Trafford, where Manchester United are hosting Arsenal on Thursday at 3:15 p.m. United, even money favorites right now, plus 100. Arsenal, plus 285. The draw, plus 260. The Michael Carrick. ERA is off and running. They held Chelsea to a 1-1 draw on Sunday in a game. (laughs) They were very lucky to do that. They were outchanced by Chelsea by a wide margin. The defensive struggles are still there for United, but I think that people will probably see that they only allowed one goal and they held Villarreal in a good performance, in a good defensive performance, I should say, against uh, Villarreal. People will, will bet into that. They'll probably bet into the Carrick revolution. They'll bet into maybe this defense has figured things out. But if you look under the surface, they really haven't. So BJ, do you think that there's value going against United, going with United, maybe playing the total? How are you playing this week's headliner? Uh,
1: I think there's value in playing the total. Probably not either side in this one. I have Manchester United projected around even money, which is where they're sitting. So uh, I think it's fairly priced, but I do like over three goals at plus 125. So United have a new interim manager, Ralph uh, Rangnick, who basically has managed all throughout Germany in his career and he's pretty much the mentor to guys like Jürgen Klopp, Thomas Tuchel, Julian Nagelsmann so and he basically created the high pressing heavy metal style football that we kind of see today with Liverpool so uh, it'll be interesting to see you know once he takes the reins how quickly he'll be able to transform Manchester United into maybe his style of play I think it's going to take some time you know Manchester United this season's 13th in passes per defensive action 15th in pressure success rate and have the second fewest pressures in the Premier League uh, and their defensive problems are, are still there <laughs> they got Like you said, they got very, very lucky against Chelsea. They basically uh, lucked out on our Jorginho mistake uh, to score and then gave up around three expected goals to Chelsea. They still have those injuries on defense. Verane's out, Shaw's out, Pogba's out. So Arsenal should be able to create a lot of chances going forward. The problem is is that... Arsenal in this match defensively has really, really struggled when they have to face a decent offense. They So far this season, they allowed 3.17 expected goals to Chelsea, 4.22 to Man City, 2.1 to Leicester, and 3.5 to Liverpool. So for Man U, who's sixth in in non-penalty expected goals and shots per 90, they should be able to create some chances against this Arsenal defense. So I have 3.06 goals projected for this one. So I think there's some value on over three goals at plus 125.
2: Yeah, Arsenal's track record against the stronger competition is what's kind of keeping me off their price. I think if it continues to go up, I'll be interested, but I do like the over, but like I said, they were outscored 11 0 against city, Chelsea and Liverpool. And I know United is not near those teams, but still a touch above the competition that Arsenal has been defeating. Uh, And they're clearly like Anthony was saying last uh, episode, this is a mid table club. Uh, We should treat them as such. So I'll wait for a bigger number if I could get one on Arsenal. Uh, But yeah, I do like the over at three Anthony, what about you?
3: Yeah, I'm going to have some disagreement. I'm finally playing one of these big matches. Uh, I feel like I've been sitting out the marquee match of the week almost every week recently. Not anymore. Uh, First half under one goal, plus 110. Surprised to see this at plus money. I think United's going to come out with a very similar approach to this match that they did against Chelsea in the sense they're going to sit off, try to contest the middle of the park, and force Arsenal to break them down, even though they are the home side. I also don't really still trust this Arsenal attack, which... Had a good performance against Newcastle, but what we've seen from Newcastle has been that they're probably the worst defense in the Prem now with Norwich upgrading their manager situation. They're the worst defense in the Prem, so I'm not reading too much into Arsenal's really good performance there. There are other issues that have come against good defensive sides, still exist, and while I'm not calling United a good defensive side by any stretch, throwing three center midfielders in there – not starting Ronaldo. If they do that again, I think it's going to be very hard for Arsenal to break them down and create high quality chances. And the same thing for Manchester United going the other way. Arsenal have had their issues against teams who have very complex possession structures who are able to keep the ball and prevent Arsenal from winning it off of them. We saw that with Liverpool, Chelsea, and City. I'm not sure United is at that point right now. uh, And I don't think they're going to be able to boss this match and keep Arsenal off the ball. Ben White and Gabriel, when they've started have been a pretty solid defensive pairing my questions about Arsenal are not as much defensive as they are in attack. And so I'm going to think this is going to be a slow start before it opens up. And I'm going under one goal in the first half at plus 110. I think it you know, very well could push. There's a very high chance of that. But I think more likely to see zero than two here. And, and that's why I'm surprised to see a plus money number next to the one. From a top four six-pointer
2: to a relegation six-pointer, Newcastle minus 115 home favorites against Norwich City. We're plus 310 on the money line. The draw is plus 270. This is a 2.30 p.m. kickoff on Tuesday. Before the, every show, we pick out the marquee matchup, which is the one we just discussed. I really do think that there was, there is an argument to be made that Norwich versus Newcastle, from a betting perspective, is the marquee matchup this week because I can't look away from the price on Norwich City right now. Plus 310 against Newcastle, who I think are the worst team uh, in the Premier League. I know they're at home, but this team is a mess, just an absolute mess defensively. Uh, they're allowing 1.67 expected goals per match in their last six. Yes, the competition was tough. Spurs, Palace, Chelsea, Brighton, Hove, Alvion, Brentford, and Arsenal. But still, get a stop. That's what this team needs to do, and they haven't been able to do it. Uh, it's clear what this team is is lacking, and it's a, a good defense. You'd figure that maybe Eddie Howe coming in would be able to write to that ship, but he's not that kind of manager anyway. So the appointment doesn't make sense. This team doesn't make sense. And they also don't score, like they don't create chances. They've created less than 0.75 expected goals for in five of the last six matches. On the other hand, uh, North City were pretty unlucky not to just absolutely bull rush Wolves this, this week. Yeah, it wasn't like they put up three expected goals, but they were the better team. Dean Smith has shown when he took over Villa, he can organize a team to start where he can take them from that point on. Uh, who knows? But at least he's doing a good job of getting this team on the same page defensively. I don't think Newcastle is going to be able to score or generate much going forward. And I do think Norwich City will be able to do that against a porous, porous defense. I think plus 310 is an awesome number. I would bet this down to maybe like plus 240. Uh, That's how much I like this number. So give me Norwich City in a bottom of the table six pointer. Anthony, are you joining
3: me with the Canaries? Yeah, I am. I like them plus a half quite a bit. Uh, 0.3 expected goals allowed is the fewest that Norwich has allowed in the Premier League since we have tracking data on footballreference.com. So, pretty much their last three trips to the Premier League, it is the fewest expected goals they've allowed in a game. Uh, Expected goal difference has these two teams about even now. Think about that, given how bad Norwich was at one point in the season. Uh, given that no, Newcastle's attack was actually you know firing relatively well at the beginning of the season that's that's dropped off considerably. my number is Newcastle plus 120 to win so Norwich minus 120 to get at least a point here the number's right around minus 110 right now I like that the other interesting thing here Newcastle's two two of their four starting uh defenders Matt Ritchie and Jamal Lascelles who was the captain on Saturday they're both out due to yellow card suspension big loss defensively for a team that's already struggled to keep out goals. They've had goalkeeper issues. They've been rotating through Darlow and Dubrovka without much success with either of them and Norwich city as much as we also credit Dean Smith for the improvements. We also have to credit Billy Gilmore, who's back in the side. He did not play for the last month or so played the last three matches. Uh, Not a coincidence that Norwich improved defensively. He's more solid in the midfield. He's been uh, pretty good at winning the ball, pressuring tackles per 90. Impressive stuff from the young 20 year old lad uh newcastle wants to have the ball but they don't have the personnel to be good with the ball right now or to win it back they started john joe Shelby, who we all love for his occasional bangers where he hits 25 yard you know screamers uh but he adds almost nothing defensively very little passing range doesn't do much pretty much just a one-man midfield of joe willick and i don't like that at all against norwich here when i need them to win and they're minus money here so i think norwich is the play plus a half Yeah, Billy Gilmore and and Todd
2: Cantwell uh, working his way into the squad too. Like So Daniel Farka, uh, for as much fun as he was to listen to after matches when his team would get blown out and he'd be all positive and stuff, uh, he wasn't playing two of their better players on a team that was in a a relegation dogfight. Uh, So Cantwell, Gilmore, the Canaries – Let's go, uh, Norwich City, plus 310 on Tuesday afternoon at 230. Another Tuesday afternoon kickoff, this one at 315. Leeds United, plus 145 home favorites against Crystal Palace, plus 205. The draw is plus 230. Palace let me down this past weekend against Aston Villa. Not a great performance from them, but I think this is a good opportunity to buy low on a team that I believe in. I think is over the course of the year, you continue to back this team. I think you're going to get paid off uh, pretty handsomely. And this Leeds team, sure, like they... Just had a a draw against Brighton and uh, were able to hold them in that match, but they still allowed 1.9 expected goals. This is not a good defensive team, and Palace is, and they should be able to handle this Leeds offense. Both teams like to press. Patrick Vieira has done a great job. This midfield is really, really good for Palace. So I think plus 205 is a pretty good number here to go against a, once again, another porous defense, and it is a pretty good buy-low spot. BJ, I know you disagree with me, so tell the people what.
1: Well, I think we're just going to disagree on Crystal Palace every single week because I am not as high on them as you are. When I was looking at this match, the the home road splits for Crystal Palace are actually quite bad. Away from Selhurst Park, they have a negative 2.91 non-penalty expected goal differential, allowing 1.48 expected goals for a match when they're at home, plus 6.47 non-penalty expected goal differential, allowing only point. Five, six expected goals per match. So, quite big differences between home and away. Offensively, they're still below average, 12th in non penalty expected goals, 13th in shots per 90. But the big thing, and when you're facing Leeds, you have to be good versus pressure. Crystal Palace is pretty average, 10th in offensive passes per defensive action. But the five matches that they've played against teams inside the top seven in passes per defensive actions, they've only created over one expected goal once. And that was against Brighton at home, and they only created 1.13 expected goals. So, I do think Leeds' high press will be able to be effective, uh, especially at Home. Leeds offensively, I i do think they're starting to turn a corner. They're 10th uh in expected goals, fifth in shots per 90, fifth in box entries. But the biggest thing is Leeds is really, really bad versus pressure. Uh they're 17th in pressure success rate allowed, but Crystal Palace, only 11th in passes per defensive action and 15th in pressure success rate. It also looks like they'll be getting uh Luke Ailing back from injury, which is big uh on the right flank there, helping out uh defending Zaha. Also, a lot of Chris Palace's chances offensively have come off of crosses this season. Had the sixth most uh, completed in the 18-yard box in the Premier League. Leeds allowed the second fewest crosses in their own 18-yard box. So uh, I have leads projected at plus 115. Uh, InfoGoal has leads at 51%. So I like Leeds draw no bet uh, at minus 130.
2: And We'll move on to Wednesday afternoon, 2.30 p.m. kickoff. Uh, Southampton, fresh off their drubbing at the hands of Liverpool, are plus 155 home favorites against Leicester City, plus 175. The draw is plus 235. Uh, It's taking a lot for me not to back Southampton here coming off of that loss, because I think this Leicester defense, once again, is starting to show some real uh, issues. And I think Southampton uh, team that does press can cause them some problems. But at the moment, uh, I'm going to stay away from it. Anthony, uh, how do you see this one shaking out?
3: Yeah, I think it's Southampton or pass. When you look at the expected goals numbers, I think Leicester's overperformance of the last two years over their expected goals, which was very heavily driven by penalties, is very much clouding what the perception of them is as a team. And it certainly did for me. Uh, And and I had them uh, rated sixth coming into the season or fifth. Uh, They're down to eighth now. And at a certain point, I think I still have them too high because I have them two spots ahead of, uh, or excuse me, three spots ahead of Southampton. You know, their expected goals numbers are just not good. And at a certain point, we need to start accepting that. I understand they beat Watford 4-2 on Sunday, but they allowed over two expected goals to Watford, who have had an offensive renaissance under Ranieri recently, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the concerns defensively, when you look at the amount of box entries they're allowing, when you look at the amount of chances they're allowing, uh, and the fact their attack is still very heavily reliant on quick strike stuff and doesn't really... Uh, have a plan in possession to build, progress the ball up the pitch. I think it creates a a pretty high-paced game, and I think Southampton is favored there at home, uh, has some attacking regression coming. Again, created over one expected goal, did not score. So it's Southampton or pass. Not sure if I'm going to fire on this one yet, but definitely lean that way.
2: Yeah, I was with you. I was hoping that this number would sort of uh, skyrocket after what we saw with uh, Liverpool just absolutely demolishing Southampton, but it's not getting to that point yet. Another Wednesday kickoff Watford 8 to 1 home underdogs against Chelsea minus 295 the draws plus 450 I think this number is too high on Chelsea but I also don't think I am going to bet against them uh, at 8 to 1 Watford has been hilarious uh, since Ranieri took over they've had 20 total goals in their last 5 games they've had a 4-2 a 5-2 I think a 4-1 uh, so this team is has been playing rock and roll football under Claudio Ranieri That probably isn't going to work against Chelsea, I don't think. Uh, BJ, do you?
1: Yeah, probably not. I I like the total in this one, over three goals at plus 125. Like you said, their matches have just been crazy. Ever since the uh, the 5-0 loss to Liverpool, they're averaging 2.18 expected goals per match. They just put up way over two expected goals against Leicester on Sunday. They're now ninth in big scoring chances. And it's very clear that Ranieri wants to play a very open 4-1-4-1. Now, the biggest problem for Wofford this season, though, is they are horrible in defensive transition and they're very susceptible to get beat on the counter because they're the third most pressured team in the premier league and they have the worst pressure success rate allowed so going against Chelsea side that is has the second best pressure success rate and is incredibly deadly on the counter especially with Werner and Lukaku finally healthy this one could get out of hand very very quickly and you know we've talked about Chelsea offensive and defensive regression seems like every single podcast but they're still third uh, in non-penalty expected goals for shots per 90 and big scoring chances while Watford is 18th in non-penalty expected Goals. Watford also down a center back and their starting goalkeeper, Ben Foster, for this match. So I just don't see how Chelsea's not going to put at least two uh, or three in the back of the Nets. I have 2.91 goals projected for this one. So I like over three goals at plus 125.
2: I think courage and more courageous is the way Watford's been playing. Like they, in, in the first few weeks of the season, it's it seemed like a team that had no problem trying to be on the back foot and knew going into matches, like we're not going to win this one. Let's just try to keep it respectable. And then Claudio Ranieri replaces uh, Zisco. And all of a sudden, there is a little bit of confidence in this group uh, and they're, they're playing that way. They're playing a little bit, you know, balls to the wall. It's, it's, they're fun to watch, which is something I didn't think I would say, you know, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, Anthony, do you see anything uh, of value
3: in this one? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it coming into the season. I had Watford 20th projected them to be the worst team in the league, picked them to be the worst team in the league. Uh, Did not bet it, but I think it's interesting how they're going about it because when you look at their numbers, They have the third worst expected goal difference because they have some negative outliers where they've gotten paddled a few times. Uh, And you expect that as a team that's in the bottom five in the league. But when you look at them overall, they have the sixth worst goal difference. They're sitting four points above the relegation zone. They've notched some big wins against Norwich. uh, Of course the big win against Manchester United, the big win against Everton, they're getting wins uh, enough to keep them in the league. And that's really the goal here for Watford as they turn over their squad and kind of look toward the future. But the interesting thing here against Chelsea, and this is the concern, is that when they played and played teams like City in the past, when the team played teams like Liverpool earlier this year, they have really struggled when they haven't been able to get out of the pressure and find the outball. They've kind of fallen apart. Uh, and if there's one thing Liverpool or Chelsea will do in this game is they will pen them in. Whereas when Watford gets beyond that first level of the press, like they were easily able to do against Man United, who had no no structure or no clarity on what to do. It was very easy for their great attacking players like Dennis and Ismail Assar to break into space, create chances, score four goals, get Ole fired. But when they play a team who has that structure, it's very much more difficult for them. And that's when the mistakes and the, the lack of talent defensively, uh, tends to show. So I agree with BJ on the over it took two and three quarters. I actually just put it in right before we started recording minus Uh minus one ten. I think Chelsea have shown a clear difference this year too, that they don't want to win one or two no anymore. They want to go get more and more goals. It's been a clear change when you look at their numbers playing one ahead, they've been much more aggressive this year compared to last year. Uh, and so I think that also all favors the over. Um, and, and that's why I think two or three for Chelsea and maybe one for, uh, for Watford as well. Uh, I like the over.
2: And just a quick word uh, for Tom Cleverley, still playing in the Premier League uh, after all these years, uh, running rampant in the Watford midfield. Next up, we'll talk West Ham minus one fifteen home favorites against Brighton Hove Albion. They're plus three twenty on the money line. The draw is plus two seventy five. Two thirty p.m. kickoff on Wednesday. Uh, Brighton hasn't been great lately, uh, which is obviously depressing to. Us here on this podcast as they were the team that we loved to lose money on last season and then won some money on at the beginning of this season. Uh West Ham also uh have hit a little bit of a rough patch after defeating Liverpool going into the international break in that famous win at the London Stadium. They've lost two in a row to good competition Wolves and Manchester City in a in a snow in a snow match. Um I think you're getting a decent number already on West Ham at minus 115. I want to wait to see If this goes to plus money, if it does, I think I will back uh, David Moyes' hammers. But I know it's against both of your soccer ethos to bet against Brighton. So I'm assuming that I'll probably be on a West Ham Island by myself here. Is that right, BJ?
1: Yeah, it, I, I love Brighton plus half a goal at even money. Really, like you mentioned, really bad back-to-back performances for West Ham. Now, granted, like you said, it was against Wolves in Manchester City on the road, but only 0.67 total expected goals through those two matches. That's really concerning. And the loss of Ogbonna is just, it's very clear that West Ham's build-up play uh, is hurting without him. They don't have a guy to start that build-up play and get it to Declan Rice, get it moving forward up to Antonio. And now they're facing a team in Brighton that's an incredible pressing team. They're fourth in passes per defensive action and fourth in pressure success rates. So it's going to be even more difficult for West Ham to actually get their buildup play going and get the ball moving forward. And Brighton, I mean, they had a classic Brighton performance on Saturday. Uh Drew 0-0 with leads, uh, one expect unexpected goals, 1.99 to 0.8. They're still playing at a, an elite level defensively, allowing 1.1 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're fifth in shots allowed per 90, third and big scoring chances allowed in sixth and crosses completed in their own 18 yard box. And that's huge because that's how West Ham creates a lot of their chances. They're second in the Premier League uh, and crosses completed in the penalty area. Bright has been pretty decent away from home. Only one loss this season, which against Aston Villa when, you know, and Villa really wasn't able to create much in that match. Uh, they have around an even non-penalty expected goal differential in those six matches. Also looks like Enoch and Wipu will be back in the midfield. He was on the bench against Leeds and him and Basuma playing together is a nightmare matchup for teams that are trying to beat the press and move the ball forward because they're two of the best pressing midfielders in the Premier League. I only have West Ham projected at plus 120. If you look at info goal, they have West Ham at 42%. So I think there's some value on our Seagulls at plus half a even
3: money.
2: Anthony, I should note that you you have been betting against Brighton a little bit uh, this
3: season, but you're going back
2: to the Seagulls for this one, aren't you?
3: I am indeed, yes. When you look at West Ham overall, there's been a significant downturn in the last four or five matches in their passes into the penalty area. And when I look at that, uh, I think a few things. One, okay, they played better teams. Liverpool, uh, Manchester City, Wolves, more resistant to the kind of press and possess football that West Ham had been pretty good at playing against the mid table and lower sides early in the season, but it also just could be some regression to what last year's West Ham team was. We talked about this. I wrote about this West Ham playing much more like a big team this year, bossing more matches, controlling possession, progressing the ball up the field, not as reliant on transition and and counterattacks while you're playing a team now who plays more like a Liverpool or a city in the way that they possess the ball and the way that they, prevent you from progressing the ball through the middle of the park. I think it's going to be a very difficult situation for West Ham to break down a very stingy Brighton defense. I have been betting against Brighton's attack a little bit, especially when they didn't have Malpe in there, but Malpe was back and played relatively well. Didn't find the goal, but did have, like we said, over one and a half expected goals. It was a classic Brighton performance as a favorite where they could not get the margin, but I like backing them as a dog here. So I'm back on the Brighton train for now, uh, plus a half. I also agree with BJ. My projection, West Ham plus 125. When these two teams played last year, West Ham was plus 135. I'm not sure that the perception of either team has changed that much in the last calendar year. Uh, If anything, Brighton solidified themselves as a pretty solid mid-table team since then. Same with West Ham, maybe slightly better. Uh, But West Ham a little overvalued here. I think Brighton gets
2: a result. Off to the black country we go. Wolverhampton minus 120 favorites at the Molyneux against Burnley. The draws plus 255. A Wednesday, 2:30 p.m. kickoff. Burnley, unbeaten in their last four. They have three draws in that span and a win. And they're playing better. Uh, they are starting to do what we kind of expected them to do, which is grind out wins, grind out points against better opposition, make life a living hell when you're playing against them. Uh, their defensive numbers still aren't great, but they're doing what Burnley does, which is getting results. That being said, uh, I think I like Wolves in this one. Uh, at the moment, it's minus 120. I want to see if maybe there is a little bit of uh, Burnley steam because they also didn't play this weekend because of the snow uh, that came through uh, Turf Moor. So their game against uh, Tottenham was postponed. So I wonder if maybe the rest uh, factor gets people to bet into Burnley, the fact that they've been a little bit better. Uh, I'll see if I can get Wolves at a plus number, very similar to West Ham, but that's probably the only way I'm looking at it. I don't think the number is high enough uh, to get involved with Burnley. But I do want to say, I think this Burnley team is going to be a team I'll be betting on a lot uh, in the second half of the season uh, for sure. Anthony, uh, how are you seeing this one?
3: I am surprised you are not on Burnley here. I thought this was a classic midweek Burnley spot for Michael Leboff. I was expecting that when we did the pod prep. I was like stunned when I went into our little dock that we have it. I saw that you were going to be on Wolves potentially. Some regression coming for them too, or at least has come for them in terms of their ability to get the ball into the middle Uh, into the dangerous areas on the pitch. First five matches of the season, they had nine, nine, eight, seven, and eight passes into the penalty area. The last five matches they've had combined 11. So we're looking at a team that is having a lot of attacking breakdowns in the final, you know, getting the ball from the attacking third into the final third has been a big issue for them. And I'm not sure that Burnley's the team you want to play when you have that issue. So I'm passing here. If anything, lean towards Burnley to st- to get a point here, even away from home.
2: Yeah, it's really hard for me to look away from that number. But, you know, I, I do think that this Wolves team, uh, similar to Crystal Palace, is not being priced, I guess, appropriately. Both of these teams, I think, are teams that I will be betting on quite a bit as the season progresses. All right, moving on. Another Wednesday kickoff, 3.15 p.m. Aston Villa, 8-1, to home underdogs against Manchester City, minus 285. The draw is plus 450. Steven Gerrard has sorted out Villa's defensive issues. It seems uh, they have allowed under one expected goal in both of the matches that he's been in charge in the premier league. Brighton uh, was one opponent in crystal palace uh, this weekend, which is impressive. I don't think he's going to be able to do that against uh, Manchester city uh, who in their own right are a great defensive team. They have allowed 1.2 expected goals total over their last three matches. Uh, so the city team is just impossible to break down. It seems I don't think Villa are going to be able to the screams of a match where Villa is going to stick to their defensive structure that they want to play under Gerard, especially while he sorts things out. I don't think they'll take that many risks. And I think City will be able to just kind of wait them out and claw a one or two nil victory. So I like the under three City unders. They haven't really been treating me well uh, this season, but. This is a team that, yeah, with for all the offensive firepower they have, their defense is just so good and they're so they have such a good ability to just suck the life out of your opponent uh that oftentimes you'll see them win, you know, two nil, maybe two one. Uh so uh under three for me is I think a pretty good bet. BJ, uh do you see anything for Gerard versus Pep?
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of a pass for me. I do lean under along with you. Uh, still no Jack Grealish, still no Kevin De Bruyne. It uh, looks like Phil Foden is also questionable for Manchester City, so that, you know, obviously hurts them. Obviously, they have a ton, you know, of depth in their attacking midfielder ranks, so you can say it doesn't really matter, you know, Aston Villa hasn't really done much offensively in Steven Gerrard's first two matches. You know, they barely created close to one expected goal against Brighton, only 0.45 expected goals in their 2-1 win against Crystal Palace. Uh, he's been setting them up in a 4-2-3-1. Uh, didn't play Emil Bu- Buendia this weekend and brought him off the bench. So, you know, this is going to be another situation where Manchester City is going to have a large share of the possession and Aston Villa is going to look to hit him on the counter. And I don't know if they're really going to be able to do that uh, against Man City's defense right now. So I do lean under three goals, but right now it's a pass for me.
3: I think the most interesting thing about this is, you know, okay, Gerard had two great defensive performances, but they came against Brighton without Neil Malpey, who had almost no shot getters. Uh, and then it came against Crystal Palace, who I think we're all, except apparently, Michael, we're a little skeptical of whether they can keep up these attacking numbers that they've put up early in the season. And so this is a huge, huge, huge step up in class and teams you're facing. But also when you mention the fact that, you know, Brighton is number one in the league at final third possession, not turning into shots. Well, City, one of the most efficient in the league as you might predict, at turning final third possession into shots. Now, they don't have, like BJ mentioned, some of their best attackers, but they have so much depth that I don't even think it matters. I also want to send my condolences to anyone who had the under three in the West Ham City game on Sunday because that game was 1-0 going into stoppage time. And then City hits a, has a great goal from Fernandinho, who I think hadn't scored in a year. And then, of course, Lanzini puts a, a top-bins 25-yard hit in uh, from, from about a mile away uh, off the off the post and in. So a terrible beat if you had a terrible push if you had the under in that game. But I think if, if you, there's a look here, it's in the first half to go the under because I think City may pile on here late, but I think early in the game, if you're going to get a great effort and, and Gerard's system is, is effective at keeping City out, it'll be early on in the game. Whereas I think as the game gets later, we've actually seen Villa has had more success when teams sit off a little bit, kind of just pass it around. Villa's actually had some success in those games. Uh at trying to get in like a, a nickel goal
2: or two. Yeah, city city unders are they're kind of like betting uh, against Liverpool. Like it's almost like you always are gonna see under three or under three and a half as a as a good value play, but they're an outlier team and sometimes you just gotta treat them as such and ignore it. But I'm not gonna do that. I'm going to the under here. Speaking of Liverpool, they are traveling to Goodison Park for the Merseyside Derby. Everton are home there plus 750. Liverpool uh minus 265. The draw is plus 425. I was I don't know if I have it within me to watch Everton right now depleted through injuries, not playing well. Rafa Benitez obviously won a Champions League with Liverpool. So the Liverpool fans coming to Goodison Park will surely have some fun with that. It's just not a really fun time to be an Everton fan. Now, that being said, and this is the conundrum we face every week with Liverpool, because they are uh, such a good team and they put up all these crazy numbers week in and week out, just like they did against Southampton, their price just gets inflated. Like there are people out there not passing any judgment to people who bet like this, who just will say, yeah, Liverpool. I'm just going to keep backing Liverpool. I'm just going to keep doing it because what do they do? They they basically win every time they step on the field. But this number, I think, is just too high on Liverpool once again. So I'm not going to go there. I will likely, unfortunately, miserably have a very painful bet on Everton, a small one on the money line at plus 750 at Goodison Park. And I really hope you're not joining me, either one of you. But Anthony, we'll start with you.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, Barney at the bar loves to bet Liverpool. And I don't blame Barney in this situation. I think this is a terrible matchup. The only argument you could make for Everton is that, one, Richarlison will be back. So that helps the attack a little bit. Uh, Pretty significantly so, in fact. Uh, But the way Everton have looked this year against teams who press them, against teams who have high energy styles, you know, especially with this being a rivalry where you don't expect Klopp to uh, ease up at all. And Liverpool knowing that, you know, in this title race, goal difference may well decide it. And, and there's no reason to really take the foot off the gas here. I mean, this is as bad of a spot as you're going to get for Everton. Gary Mina, not expected back. Looks like he's going to be out. Calvert-Lewin still out. They did get Decore back. Damari Gray got in there. Uh, but are we still going to really get Solomon Rondon going up there? I mean, the guy had 0.1 expected goals per 90 in 590s. So that's unbelievably bad. For a striker, uh, it's going to take everything in me to not square out and go Liverpool here, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, going to pa- I'm going to pass for now. Uh, we'll see how the market moves.
2: Everton have it once since uh, a win over Norwich in September. Uh, they're plus 750 to be relegated right now. They're only six points clear of the drop zone, uh, and Burnley has a game in hand uh, because of the snowed-out game, which is just more evidence of why you shouldn't really do everything you can to avoid betting on the Toffees,
3: but... I just can't look at the numbers I, too I'm still, high. I'm still mad about those tickets that I didn't cash fading Everton early in the year cuz now they can't win a match. But but they, that's, they did the that's, that's a funny
2: thing about this team is like their numbers overall don't look that glaringly bad because well, they, when had they had good, the good players there. right thing. because they, when they were healthy they had they had a structure that was working and their offense was going well but everyone knew their squad was thin and as soon as they had the injuries everything's kind of fallen to shit and that's what we're looking at now but BJ that's not enough to keep you off this team.
1: They're really not that bad. I mean, like, you know, against Brentford this past weekend, they were even on expected goals, only allowed Brentford to have five total shots outside of the penalty, 0.53 expected goals. They still created 1.21 expected goals, despite, you know, having basically nobody that could provide anything going forward. But at the same time, like Anthony mentioned, This is a horrible matchup Everton's horrible versus pressure. They've allowed the second most big scoring chances this season. So going against Liverpool, that's just, I I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm trying, I'll be honest. I'm just sitting here trying to find the courage, uh, to, to put an Everton bet, uh, in the award-winning action network app. And it probably will only happen if Liverpool gets steamed North of 350, which could happen honestly before match time. Other than that, I will pass, but I'm a weak person. And if I see Everton plus two, uh, At, at at close at you know minus 110. I, I think I'll have to play that.
3: Yeah, are we gonna get a plus two? We might I'm really hoping we don't get a plus two. We might. I mean Liverpool is
1: minus two sixty right now. And they're kind of in the realm of like Bayern Munich at this point, when they're playing a bad team that they will just get steamed hard at the end. Cause people see Liverpool, they see that number and they say, Oh my gosh, this is one of the best teams in the world. Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, like how could they ever lose? You know? And obviously in a matchup like this with Everton with all their injuries, like, yeah, of course, like that number is that high, but at the same time, you know, we could see some, some hard steam on Liverpool. And if that happens, I really honestly hope it doesn't happen because that means I'll have to end up taking Everton and watching them lose five, nothing.
3: Yeah. This is uh, Everton, uh, one draw in their last six Premier League matches. Yeah. And it came came against Man United. Well, they had a Tottenham draw in there, too, actually. So (laughs) So they drew United and Tottenham, but played off the park by West Ham, Watford, City, Wolves. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it's stressing me out. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh Tottenham Hotspur, they're taking on Brentford, Spurs minus 165, home favorites, Brentford plus 475 on the money line to draw just north of three to one at plus three ten. This is a Thursday kickoff, 2:30 p.m. The Bees, Brentford, like we just said, they they really gutted out the victory over Everton. Uh on Sunday morning, they got the one goal came through penalty. They probably were a little lucky not to concede a penalty of their own. But this is a team that's kind of the opposite of Everton right now. Like this is a galvanized team that will go the extra mile to get the result. And a lot of times in sports, not just in soccer, but in hockey, like that, that is something Like that is something you should take into account. They are a tough team to play against their defense is holding up. They really are all on the same page under Thomas Frank. So I think that they can get a result here. And I don't really trust the Spurs offense, nor do I trust Antonio Conte to kind of come in and just open things up for this team to turn this into a back and forth affair. I think it's going to be more of a chess match. All the ingredients I like for a draw, it's plus 310. I think that's a really good number uh, for that kind of bet. So that's where I'm going. Brentford Tottenham draw plus 310 Thursday, 2.30 p.m. kickoff. Anthony, you are a Spurs fan. Do you have confidence in them to be able to get the separation needed to, to cover these kind of numbers against Brentford?
3: No, I, I still think they're a little inflated here. Uh, they've been inflated for a while. Uh, they also got steamed both against Everton and Leeds. Thinking that's some new manager steam coming in there. Uh, Pretty encouraging second half against Leeds after what was an awful first half. Uh, But I'm not going to read too much into a second half performance against a team who was very shorthanded, was at home. Uh, I think Brentford has the attacking, counterattacking pieces that can get after this Tottenham team and get on the board. And if they do, it's very hard to see Tottenham scoring a significant number of goals here to cover the spread that's set at one. There's a little bit of juice on Brentford. I'm willing to eat the juice here and fade Tottenham. I think it's the fourth time I've faded him this year and I'm two and one. So uh, I know BJ, how many games Tottenham played? They played 12 games. So BJ has faded Tottenham 12 times, uh, but he's going to make it 13 on uh, on Wednesday. This is my fourth fade of Spurs. Uh, I just really don't trust them to get margin against some of these bad teams in the Prem and They play Norwich next. That's probably going to be a fade as well. And then they've got a Brighton road trip coming up. Not even sure they'll be favored in that one. I definitely don't have them projected as favorites in that one. So, you know, maybe Conte will start to turn this around. And I'll have to adjust my priors. But my priors say right now that Tottenham is one of the worst attacks in the Prem. Harry Kane looks cooked. Uh, And until that changes, uh, and I'll be watching the underlying numbers closely, I'll let you know if it does. But until it changes, Brentford plus one, minus 120. Go ahead, BJ. It ran about Spurs again.
1: Well, you know, as an Arsenal fan, we haven't had really, you know, much hope over the years. So, like, my favorite part of this podcast every single week is coming on and just ripping Tottenham a new one. And I'm going to keep doing it until they show any sign of life because what on earth is this number on Tottenham? This is way, way too high against the Brentford side. That's one of the more underrated teams in the Premier League. Tottenham is. 16th in non-penalty expected goals, 19th in shots per 90, 14th in box entries, and 18th in crosses completed into the 18-yard box. And I think I've said that every single week, but I'm going to keep saying it until they show any sign of life. And they just lost to Slovenian side Mura in the Europa Conference League on Thanksgiving. I know nobody was really paying attention, but a 2-1 loss to a side that small is alarming. And can I, I'd like to read a quote from manager Antonio Conte after the match. After three weeks, I am starting to understand the situation. At this moment, the level at Tottenham is not so high. I am happy to stay here, but we have to work a lot to improve the quality of the squad. That's basically what I've been saying for the last two weeks. And also if we put that in the little manager translator that says, hey, Daniel Levy, you're going to have to open up your checkbook big time uh, in January or else I'm gone. So, and I don't think Daniel Levy going to do that. So the current squad he has is terrible. And he, he's, basically what he's saying is, he, I can't work with this team. So unless they improve greatly, this team's going to be, you know, around seventh, eighth all season long, you know, Brentford, obviously, you know, gutted out that win on, on uh, Sunday, but they have a plus 3.81 non penalty expected goal differential, which is fourth best in the premier league, but they're somehow sitting in the bottom half of the table. The biggest weakness of the Brentford defense is their dead last in the premier league and crosses completed in their own penalty area. Well, Tottenham, like I already mentioned, they're 18th and crosses into the penalty area. So they're not going to be able to get at this Brentford defense and expose their vulnerabilities. So I have Tottenham projected at plus 111. So I love Brentford plus one at at minus 125. And I'm going to keep fading this Tottenham team uh, until they show any any sign
3: of life. Yeah, I've got Tottenham minus 120. So uh, I'm not quite as low on them as BJ, but I'm pretty low on them too. Uh, The one encouraging thing, uh, progressive passes total. Uh, the delta between four to against second best of the season against Leeds. Only the Watford game early in the year was was better. Uh, that's relatively encouraging. Watford uh, the the Everton game was also the first time they were plus in that department uh, in almost a month. So there's some possible things happening. But again, when your striker's cooked, and he's only getting two three shots per ninety, uh, you're not going to get enough production to cover large spreads.
1: Right and also Christian Romero's out. So is like Conte really going to play a back three of Eric Dyer, Ben Davies, and Tanganga? Like he did. Yeah, uh, he, he did, did and that's that's just really well. That's it's just not going to work long term like against better you know attacking sides than Murrah. So uh, this number's way too high. I, I really don't understand how Tottenham is all the way up at minus one sixty five right now.
2: And that concludes the Premier League slate, the first midweek slate of the season, and. It's such a such a fun time as we get towards the holidays. We'll have tons of uh, midweek fixtures, boxing day, et cetera. It seems like these teams, this is when the rubber kind of hits the road for the season. The the title race should start to really come into a clear focus. So should the relegation battle and the top four, the kind of storylines will be set for the next uh, four or five months here. All right, let's move on. There is there are other matches going on in other leagues, including Syria. BJ, what is your favorite bet uh, this week in the Italian top flight?
1: Yeah, I like Torino, minus 120 at home against Empoli. Torino, one of the more underrated teams in all of Europe. The, they're currently sitting in 13th place in Serie A, but have a plus 7.3 non penalty expected goal differential, which is fifth in Italy. The main reason for that, uh, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the season, but they're really, really good defensively, allowing only 0.81 non penalty expected goals per match, which is second best behind only Napoli. They're also second in shots allowed per 90, fourth in box entries allowed, and second in crosses completed in their only 18 yard box. What I love most about this matchup, though, Torino is the best pressing team in Italy, first in passes per per defensive action, pressure success rate, and ball recovery as well. Uh, Empoli offensively is 17th in offensive passes per defensive action. Torino pretty good offensively, 7th in non-penalty expected goals, 8th in shots per 90, and 5th in crosses completed in the penalty area, while Empoli is bottom three defensively in those three metrics. Torino dealing with a couple injuries. Andrea Belotti is out, but he hasn't really done much this season. Only .91 expected goals and eight appearances, so I don't think his absence will be that big of a blow. I have Torino projected at minus 153, so I think there's some value on them at minus 120.
3: Anthony, uh, where are you going in Syria uh, this weekend? Yeah, back in uh, my good pal, Jose Mourinho. uh, Under three goals, Bologna and Roma, minus 120. Here's the reality about Roma. Uh, The early season for them, I have never seen Jose Mourinho coach a team that was so open at the back, that was so willing to take chances going forward, that was so bad defensively. Uh, And then... They had a couple of losses. The losses started to creep in. They lost to Milan. They blew the lead against Venezia a couple of times. They had that embarrassing defeat at Bodo Glimt in the Europa Conference League, uh, where they lost 6-1. It was one of the worst defeats of his career. Okay, so we get an international break. Then what happens? Old Mourinho somewhat rears his ugly head with his anti-football. Roma, the last two games, consecutive clean sheets against Genoa and Torino. 2-0, 1-0 2-0, 1-0 win, much more pragmatic, much less open. And the market really isn't factoring that in here. I know Tammy Abraham has some positive regression coming in attack, and but Roma is not willing to take nearly as many chances as they were prior. And it's not that different from what he did last year at Tottenham when they had that 3-3 draw with West Ham. They were playing pretty open, willing to concede chances, willing to go for more goals. They had that terrible draw, and then he was like, nope, we're shutting it down. Uh, and then they've tried to grind out one-no wins for the rest of the season. I think maybe it won't quite be that extreme, but I think we're going to start to see something like that in this situation here. Bologna also a ton of defensive regression coming. They play open, but uh, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to break down what's been actually a a, a relatively solid Roma defense the last few weeks, and the numbers show it in terms of how much they're allowing teams to get out and transition against them. So I like the under three here. Only project 2.71, so a little under here in Syria in the midweek.
2: There is also one uh, La Liga match. It's Real Madrid minus 235 against Athletic Bilbao, who are 7-1 to on the money line to trust, plus 360. 3 p.m. Wednesday kickoff. Of course, I'm going to be backing my boys from the Basque Country, Athletic Bilbao, 7-1. I mean, this is a great defensive team. Uh, the number's just way too high, and you're getting a team that won't play itself out of a game, even against a team like Real Madrid. This team won't. They're not going to, in all likelihood, uh, make the mistakes make the des- defensive lapses that elite teams like Madrid or you know the Manchester cities of the world Bayern Munich of the world will be able to feast on uh, so as long as they can stay in this game and you're getting seven to one they can drag this thing out as long as possible and you're sitting there with a seven to one ticket that's a good bet so I'll take Bill Bilbao plus seven to one BJ you'd come into the Basque country with me with this one
1: yeah, absolutely. I think about, about plus one. Listen, what happened in Madrid on Sunday when the Sevilla-Real Madrid match was just astonishing because Sevilla not only should have gotten at least a draw, they really should have beaten Real Madrid. Madrid was benefited by a goalkeeping error. They The ref completely missed a clear penalty, and then Sevilla also hit one off the woodwork. So... Three wonderful things went right for Real Madrid. And then, of course, Vinicius Jr. does what he has been doing all season long, and he finished one from way outside the box. So Vinicius Jr. and Kareem Benzema have combined for 20 goals in La Liga off of 13.46 expected goals. They're very good. They're not that good. Uh, Against Sevilla, I mean, Real Madrid only created 1.28 expected goals on Sunday. And if you take away that goalkeeping error for the first goal, which led to a tap-in for Kareem Benzema, they only created 0.62 expected goals off of 13 shots. That's bad. And like you mentioned, now they're going up against the second best defensive team by non-penalty expected goals in La Liga, who plays a very defensive traditional 4-4-2 and will just look to hit Real Madrid on the counter. Uh, and their style of play is very conducive to draws because Athletic Bilbao is unbeaten on the road this season, but they have one win and six draws. <laughs> um, and Real Madrid defensively has not been that great. 14th and non-penalty expected goals, 12th and shots per 90, 12th and big scoring chances allowed. Courtois has not been very good in that minus one post-shot expected goal plus minus this year uh so this number's too high on real madrid i have them projected at minus 133 so uh, i like atletico but bilbao plus one which will uh probably
3: be a plus money
2: yeah bilbao is known for its defense but anthony you actually think that this offense can maybe hang with madrid in this one
3: i think bj was too kind to the real madrid defense not that bad they're 14th and expected goals allowed that is, is terrible uh and it's personnel related but it's also um you know style of play related. I mean, they're just very open and, and dangerously oh, dangerously open on the counter attack. They've been very vulnerable to them all year. And the Bilbao attack is the reason why they have one of the best expected goal differences in the league. We always know that they're going to be sturdy defensively, but in terms of going forward, they're in the top four in expected goals created this season, and they're also underperforming. So they've got a ton of regression coming in attack here. 13 goals from 20 expected guys like Anaki Williams, Always dangerous on the counter. Athletic uh, Bilbao have also played well against the big boys. They got a draw with Barcelona. Thought they were the better team in that game. Uh, got a draw with Atletico Madrid. Also getting a draw with Sociedad. So they've gotten results against all of the big teams in this league pretty much. They beat Villarreal as well. I think they get on the board here. And uh, it was a little juicy. So I, I played both. At the over team total was a little juicy. If you want to chase an over one and a half team total, I don't hate that either. But I'm playing both teams to score here because I do think ultimately Real will get the goal at home. Uh, and minus 110 is a good number there.
2: It does beg repeating something I bring up all the time when we talk about Bilbao is that they don't buy players in the transfer market. They just develop them and they have to be from uh, the Basque country. So it's, they are quite a peculiar and interesting club. All right, let's uh, move on to the next part of the program. Uh, this is where BJ takes over and gives us his favorite league play of the week.
1: Yeah, well, first off, Athletic Bilbao, you know, that process, they've never been relegated. Only them, I believe, and Real Madrid are the only two teams to never be relegated from uh, La Liga. But anyway, let's move to France. Uh, Probably the worst match of the week, or midweek, Troyes against Lorient. I love under two and a half goals at minus 120. These are two of the worst uh, offensive teams in League 1. Troyes and Lorient both have scored only 13 goals in 15 matches, and they're creating under one expected goal per match. Lorient dead last in shots per 90 and big scoring chances, 19th in box entries, and they're second to last in pressure success rate allowed. Troyes isn't a great defensive team, but they did just hold Marseille to 1.15 expected goals on Sunday and 57% of their matches this season have gone under two and a half goals. Lorient defensively, Has been a nightmare, but they're only allowing 0.96 expected goals from open play. They've just been horrific on set pieces and had some really bad penalty luck. Choice is pretty bad off of set pieces, only 0.07 expected goals per set piece. And they've only scored 10 goals from open play this season. So uh, it's no surprise that they're 15th in non-penalty expected goals, shots per 90 and 18th in box entries. I only have 2.07 goals projected for this one. So I like under two and a half goals at minus 120 with two of the worst offensive teams in France.
2: We're getting towards the end of this week's episode, but before we do, of course, we will be giving out our favorite underdogs for the midweek. I'll go first. I can't begin to tell you how much I like the number on Norwich City uh, against Newcastle. N- Newcastle is the worst team in the Premier League, and they are odds on to be Norwich City, who are improving. They're not good either, but they are improving under Dean Smith. Uh, and they are kind of the right team to take advantage of Newcastle's glaring deficiencies. So I like Norwich City. Three to one is a great number. I would play it all the way down to plus 240. Give me the Canaries to start this parlay off, BJ. What is your favorite underdog play this week?
1: Yeah, I already mentioned it. Brentford uh, plus 470 at Tottenham. This number is completely overinflated for Tottenham. I've already said it a million times, but I'll say it again. 16th in non-penalty expected goals, 19th in shots per 90, 14th in box entries, and 18th in crosses completed in the 18-yard box. Conte does not have this, the squad that he wants to play with right now. They have a long ways to go to actually you know, basically get up to this number against a Brentford team that's very underrated. Fifth best non-penalty expected goal differential in the Premier League, or sorry, fourth best non-penalty expected goal differential in the Premier League, but somehow they're in the bottom half of the table. Tottenham will not be able to exploit Brentford's weaknesses defensively. Uh, Brentford also Defensively, tenth in shots per 96 in big scoring chances allowed. So uh, I think it's going to be very hard for Tottenham to create chances. Also, no Christian Romero for Tottenham. So the back three uh, is just not going to have a lot of long term success with Eric Dyer, Davies, and Tanganga. So uh, I only have Tottenham projected at plus one eleven. So I love Brentford at plus four seventy five.
2: All right, Anthony, uh, your favorite underdog resides outside of the Premier League. Who are you going with
3: this week? Yeah, I'm going with Udinese plus four fifty on the road at Lazio really not buying much into Lazio this season they are even in expected goals for and expected goals allowed sorry ball really not working out when you look at how bad they've been out of possession 15th in box entries allowed 16th in crosses allowed into the penalty area they've kind of been a mess defensively going forward haven't been a ball progression juggernaut either they're facing an Udinese team who I'm not going to pretend is is some is some great team they're very mediocre in Serie A but their expected goals difference is actually quite similar to Lazio overall. They're a below average Serie A team. Lazio simply should not be minus 170 money line favorites against anybody in this league except the worst of the worst, which Udinese is not. So I'm hoping my guy, Isaac Success, can find some success in this game and Udinese can get all three points on the road here, like the price. I've hit two in a row, so probably going to lose badly, but we're hoping for three and uh, Udinese to get us done. Brentford, Norwich,
2: and Udinese, if you parlay all three of those guys together, 129 to 1. That's your holiday shopping done and dusted if all three of those teams win, which they won't. All right, uh, let's move on to our favorite bets uh, for the Premier League, the midweek fixtures. I'll start us off. Crystal Palace plus 205. I am a true believer in this team. I think the overall body of work is really starting to show. And, yeah, they did lose last week, and they were my favorite bet last week, but I'm going to buy low on them. Plus 205 against a porous Leeds United defense, which – despite a good performance in terms of actual results last week, still gave up 1.9 expected goals to Brighton. Uh, So I think that this Palace defense should have no problem scoring and they're defensively capable enough to keep this Leeds United offense at bay. Give me Crystal Palace plus 205. That's my favorite bet there Tuesday, 3.15 p.m. kickoff in the Premier League. BJ, what is your favorite bet in the Premier League this week?
1: Yeah, like Brighton plus half a goal at even money against West Ham. Two really bad back-to-back performances for West Ham in the Premier League uh, against Wolves and Manchester City on the road. 0.67 total expected goals created in those two matches. The loss of Ogbonna uh, at center back is huge for the Hammers right now. Uh, he's the beginning of their entire build-up play, and without him, they're really struggling to find that build-up play from the back. Now they're facing one of the best pressing teams in the Premier League. Brighton is fourth in passes per defensive action and pressure success rate. Last weekend was a classic Brighton performance performance. Uh, they drew 0-0 with leads uh, but one ex- unexpected goal 1.99 to 0. 0.8. They're still playing at an elite level defensively. They're allowing 1.1 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're fifth in shots allowed per 90 and third in big scoring chances allowed but the big one in this one match is West Ham is second in crosses completed in the 18-yard box. Brighton is sixth in the Premier League in preventing crosses into their own penalty area. Brighton has been pretty decent away from home. Only one loss this season which is against Aston Villa who didn't really create anything against them. They have around an even uh, non-penalty expected goal differential on the road and in, in those six matches also Enoch and Waipu will be back for Brighton he was on the bench against Leeds probably will get the start along with Basuma, and those two are a nightmare against teams who are trying to get through the press I have West Ham projected at plus 120 so I like Brighton plus half a goal at even money
2: and Anthony uh let you wrap up this show uh, with your favorite Premier League bet of the midweek
3: yeah let's go with the Canaries Norwich plus a half against Newcastle Norwich coming off their best defensive performance they've had in the Premier League Since we've had XG data that we can track game by game, the expected goal difference on these two teams is about even. My number, Norwich, minus 120 to get a point. You can find even to minus 110 out there right now. I really like that. Newcastle is going to be down multiple starters defensively, including their captain Jamal LaSells and Matt Ritchie, due to yellow card suspension. Billy Gilmore has returned to improve the Norwich midfield. New manager bounce is underway for Norwich, who have looked better. Uh, And really, Newcastle does not fit and does not have the personnel to play the way that Eddie Howe wants to. Not really buying into the John Joe Shelby revolution here. Don't think Newcastle should be minus money against anybody. So as bad as they looked at the weekend, I'm going to keep fading them. I'm going to take Norwich plus a half, minus 110.
2: And that will do it uh, for another episode of Wonder Goal. We will be back on Thursday to preview this weekend's matches and uh, get used to us because it's about to get really, really busy here in the soccer calendar as all the festive fixtures come our way. And we're happy to have you along for the ride. Good luck with all your bets this weekend. For BJ, for Anthony, I'm Michael, and we'll see you on Thursday.